What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Monday, June 14th. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. We got the Euros going on. We got Copa America. We can talk a little bit about uh, the LA Galaxy. We got the Seattle Sounders. We have a very special guest on here with us today. But first, let me introduce these guys. We got Chris Maldonado from the Galaxy Guide Podcast. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to be on your show once again. Ready to talk about some LA Galaxy, some Seattle Sounders. It's going to be a really great game. Yeah, and we also got Nico Moreno. He covers the Seattle Sounders. Nico, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, hey what's going on? Uh, obviously, thank you for the invite. Uh, a huge hello to you, to your uh, audience. Uh, happy to be here. Talk some Sounders. I love that uh, LA Galaxy Sounders rivalry. It, uh, I've li- I loved it from the very beginning when I started covering the team. I still love it today. Uh, so I'm just excited to talk about it. Yeah. Before we get into it, Nico, I want the listeners to get to get to know you a little bit more. Tell us like how long you've been covering the Seattle Sounders and why the Seattle Sounders and how you got started there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I obviously started uh, covering the team back uh, approximately 2011 uh, is when I started really uh, going at, at most practices and being at the games. Uh, I started with uh, ESPN Seattle uh, a while back, ESPN Seattle Radio. <laughs> and it was kind of uh, a show with Felipe Maqueda, which uh, was the person who kind of got me on board uh, on, on broadcasting and journalism. And it started just like a Saturday thing. You know, I would come in and we talk uh, Liga IMX and we talk South America, uh, Coma Ball, I mean, all of that. Uh, my real fit in was f- football. Uh, I love football, and in Spanish, there isn't a lot of analysts that really know the game. Uh, so that was kind of like my end. Uh, I was part of the uh, broadcast for the Sounders, the Spanish broadcast, uh, on the daily game-to-game basis for about three years. And uh, then after that, I just went on to do other journalism, writing for Sounder of Heart today. Uh, I have my own uh, outlet, Pulso Sports, which has been doing great and excited about uh everything that we've been doing and then I also write for MLS in Spanish and that's kind of in a nutshell everything that that I've been doing uh since 2011. Well I mean that that's that's very amazing that you started and now now obviously you're here doing your own thing um you know and, and, and to your point like whenever you talk about the that galaxy and the sounders right so there's there's so much history there and everything that that that's been going on and I think it's just very impressive like that you've been with the team and everything that you know you've been seeing it right since 2011 i'm just curious like what have you seen like how are they so consistent to make it to the playoffs like every year you mean the sounders yeah the sounders yeah yeah it's just about structure it's about really knowing how to use the resources seattle's the type of team that uh never misses on dp players and that is a huge benefit to any team because it doesn't hinder your cap space and it doesn't hunt you for two, three, four years. They do a fantastic job at following players and not just what they do on the field, but those intangibles. So obviously Chris Henderson no longer here. Uh, he's obviously with uh, Inter Miami today, but Chris Henderson is a huge part of the success that Seattle had here. Uh, obviously, uh, Sean Henderson and the rest of the team that's worked with him, uh, also uh, Adrian Hanauer and how involved as an owner and how careful he is to uh, really go after uh, the players that really talk to uh, the organization, I think is a huge point. Uh, as of, I think they've always done a good job at, at working their academies, but, but there was a huge 
emphasis on that once uh, Garth Lagerwey came on. Uh, I think that he has done fantastic. Uh, I've been a fan uh, ever since the very first time when he was presented, when I got to talk to him off the scenes, you know, right after, uh, you know, they presented him to the, the media. Uh, he's just a guy that really knows what he wants. He has a set of objectives and has been able to do so since. Um, and I think another huge thing that Seattle does is that just keeps that internal individuals that really go after the organization. Brian Schmetzer is the mm -hmm. best example. He has been an assistant uh, throughout the whole time he was with the Sounders. He's obviously done the USL thing as a coach, as a player. And I think that's huge, just keeping those guys that really talk the DNA of the Sounders is huge for it. So it's a little bit of everything. But if I had to really point it out and kind of take the romanticism of soccer out of it and just kind of put it out in numbers. I just think that it's about structure, mm -hmm. knowing how to build your roster and know, knowing exactly how to use your resources from homegrown players to DPs, the TAMs. And, and as you know, the league changes and evolves, just being able to grow with that and know exactly how to exploit that to your benefit. So yeah. there it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, very well detailed there. I mean, I mean, they also got some national team players um, that they're pretty good. But Chris, let, I want to talk before we get, get deeper into this. I want to talk about the Euros and Copa America. We'll just briefly touch on it because it's going on. What are your thoughts on what? Obviously, you know, Christian Eriksen. I think we should we should hit on that. But like he, I think he. I don't. I want to be correct on this. Obviously, he passed out. I think he, he they they had to give him CPR and all of this. But what are your thoughts on, on what's going on over there with the Euros and Copa America? Sure, man. I was able to catch some of the. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm keeping up with Copa America a little bit more. Uh, you know, it's it's teams that are a little closer to home, uh, players that I'm more familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's phenomenal stuff. I mean, I, I just caught uh, the Chile Argentina game, the yep. one one draw. Uh, Lionel Messi doing Lionel Messi things. Uh, hopefully, Argentina makes it far. You know, I, I feel like uh, Messi is is in need of some some international silverware um, to really be in that conversation of greatest of all time. But that's just my opinion. As far as what happened with Christian Eriksen, it's very unfortunate. Uh, you hate to see it in the world of soccer. I mean, these are guys that are in tip top physical shape and for something like that to happen to a pro athlete whose job it is to be in tip top physical shape it's always scary you know and it's very unprecedented that that kind of stuff really shouldn't be happening so you know they're saying it might have been a, a like a cardiac thing a, a respiratory thing it's it's still kind of unclear uh, but the good thing is that the guy left the game and he was conscious. At least it looked like he was conscious. So that's a good sign. And hopefully he'll be back on the field soon once he's fully recovered. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I watched it. I caught like the end of it and I was able to go on my, on my, on my cause I got like, you know, the, I think I got YouTube TV or whatever I have on and I was able to rewind it and kind of see what actually happened. Cause I kept seeing it on Twitter and I was like, wow, this is crazy. The, what I loved was the teammates standing around him so no one could get a clear view of what was actually going on, right? And sure. and I was like, man, I, I've seen I've seen players pass out like that. It's never a good thing. But, Nico, what, what were your thoughts on, uh, obviously, in the Euros, like Christian Eriksen, and obviously on the Copa America, what's going on? Yeah, well, let's start with the most important one, which is obviously what happened to Christian, and it's uh, very unfortunate. Uh, I, I was uh, – I, li I literally just uh, switched over for a second, and then I came back on and kind of – 
saw the, the, the play develop and, and how everything was happening, it really puts in perspective the type of pressure, the type of um, endurance that, that these players have to go through, you know? I mean, being a high-performance athlete really puts your body in a huge disadvantage at one point or another because there's so many competitions. Uh, you got your club play, you got your international play, and it really makes you feel for these guys. So as, as fans, as analysts, as journalists, we should really think about the type of uh, effort and sacrifice that these guys have to put in to, you know, just play the game that they love. Um, so it, it was it was huge. I was glad to see him get back. Actually, I heard that he he died. I mean, he, he was revived on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't happy with the decision of UEFA to get these guys to play the game. Uh, as I've been reading, they had two options, either they forfeit and they would play the next day at noon, uh, or they had to go back and play. There was never a, hey, let's just leave it at a draw. I mean, they had to play the game. And it was really unfortunate because I know that seeing the the guys and seeing your teammate, uh, and you could just see it on everybody who was on the field, it was unfortunate that they really had to play it. Um, so that was the only aspect that I didn't like. Uh, Euros in total, in general, uh, just as Copa America, if there's a there, if there's a take that we can take out of both of these competitions is that there has been a huge break from where national teams have been playing because it hasn't been great. There hasn't been great soccer. Uh, Copa America particularly, uh, Colombia uh, winning 1-0 against Ecuador. It was a very poor performance, especially throughout the first half. Uh, Colombia obviously gorgeous goal, a free kick in which it's uh, – Cuadrado says that they didn't really uh, have it planned out. Uh, Cardona said that they had planned it out previously in Barranquilla. Uh, don't really quite know, but it was a beautiful goal. But aside from that, there wasn't really much soccer. I was very disappointed in uh, Reda uh, making seven substitutions to kind of just experiment with the team on the debut of uh, Colombia. So there wasn't great play. Venezuela and the 15 COVID cases that they had clearly mm. uh, obviously hindered their ability to just play against Brazil. Brazil with everybody, all the stars, completely takes over. 3-0 victory. Uh, so there hasn't really been great soccer. And if we go to the Euro, we see a lot of the same thing. Croatia is a shell of what he, they were in the mm -hmm. World Cup last season. Uh, today, Sweden and Spain, it was very one-sided. Spain, 84, 84, 85% of that possession uh, to only 16 or 17 uh, of uh, the, the Swiss team, uh, Sweden team. So you just see a little bit of that rust coming off. I'm hoping that he gets better as both tournaments progress. Uh, but it's been interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the big thing today, I, I know Chris had on it, it was a, you know, Lionel Messi-Chile-Chile game. I caught the end of it. Like, you know, Lionel, Lionel Messi, you know, he got to score that beautiful free kick. And I think they showed the replay. It was like, what, like 10 days ago whenever um, Chile and Argentina played recently. And the keeper had stopped it. Uh, but then, you know, Messi went right back with them. Uh, to the left of the keeper, uh, and he made it this time, which I thought it was uh, it's a spectacular game. But I think that that was one game Argentina really wanted to win, and obviously felt more like a like a win for Chile because they got the one one tie. And um, you know, anytime... especially especially a very anemic yeah. Chile team. I mean, I'm not sure if it's the lack of Alexis Sanchez on the field, but this team just was very bleak, very flat. Mm -hmm. they, they, there was nothing about them that really made them dangerous. Uh, they should be lucky that Argentina, that honestly has not been 
clinical in front of goal over the last four or five games. Believe you me, uh, they gave Colombia a chance to get back in the game in qualifiers. They had us 2-0. Colombia is able to make some changes, and that allows back in the game. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of that today with Argentina. Chile didn't really propose a lot of soccer. They, they didn't really have th- that ability to be dangerous, very flat, very narrow, uh, and, and honestly, they didn't, didn't take advantage of it. Then the PK happens. They tie it up. So once again, it goes back to, for me, Comeball Soccer is the best in the planet. There's no better competition in the world yeah. that I'd rather see. It's no, exciting. You don't, no Champions League. No nothing. I want to see <laughs> qualifiers. I want to see Copa America. That's what yeah. I want to see. And so it you, really you has put to it over Champions League? Level. You put it over Champions League? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's if pretty I bold. Champions that's League, pretty. That's pretty bold because there's a lot of the players <laughs> that play in Champions League. A lot of those players play in Champions League. Yeah, but it's, it's, there's a different play. There's a different aspect. Yeah. There's something about Comeball and Argentina play, having flavor. to play. Yeah, yeah. Argentina yeah. having to play in La Paz against definitely a, a, a bad team, but where they barely have air in their lungs and they're trying to make it happen. And then mm-hmm. you got Argentina playing in Colombia in Barranquilla at noon, sun up. They're in an oven, closed up. I mean, there's something about just all that that I just absolutely love. So once again, not to the level of soccer necessarily. I think it's great. But if I had to choose, if I got in one room, the Champions League final, and the other one, I have Cumberbatch qualifiers, I'm watching qualifiers. <laughs> That's a bold that I like it. I like it. Right, to, fin- to finish off with this topic, who, uh, Chris, who, who do you got winning the, the Copa America? Listen, man, I'm very biased. I, 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 uh, I love... I love Lionel Messi, and I really, really do want him to to win this with Argentina. He needs it. He really needs it. Argentina needs it. I think that uh, I wouldn't say they're the favorite, um, but you can't ever count Argentina out. My money's yeah. on Argentina. So nice, uh, Nico. Who who do you, who do you got winning this? There's only one favorite here. It's Brazil. They're at home. They got everybody, right? They got Neymar. They got a good defense. Uh, Richardson hasn't been really great. Uh, uh, they got Allison on goal. Tite really knows how to work this guy. They've been walking through the qualifiers. I mean, these guys are having a coke and a smile throughout the entire qualifiers. So they have to be the favorite, uh, clearly being at home. But uh, So that, that's who I would have to have winning. I mean, if you told me, Nico, bet a million dollars, I bet it on Brazil. Uh, but obviously, being Colombian, uh, I would love for them to win their second one. Uh, they've mm-hmm. only won one in their history. They have the, the quality. They have the talent. But Reynaldo Rueda, being a new coach, first he said he wanted to win it. Now, after game one, he says he wants to try out a bunch of players. So I'm not really loving that confidence. He kind of feels like he's preparing in case things go bad. So, so, like, oh, it, so, it's, so it's Brazil. It's Brazil first, your option, and then Colombia is what I got. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what it is. Brazil, I have my money on it, but my heart okay. says Colombia. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. I like that. All right. So moving on, I, I, I'm going to say Brazil. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard with Brazil, but like you would love to see Messi, but I still haven't seen enough yet of Argentina. Maybe you could turn it around. But, like, moving on, <clears throat> let's talk about, obviously, you know, Seattle Sounders and, and uh, the LA Galaxy playing this Saturday at Dignity Hill Sports Park. We know what happened the first time around when, when, the, when the LA Galaxy went up there. They ended up getting shut out. I believe it was 3-0. Uh, yep. t- it was a tough game for, for everybody all around. But one positive thing uh, that came out of this, I think that was, like, one of the first games that they got punched in the mouth. And they're like, okay, 
we 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 got to figure out a few things, right? So now we go mm-hmm. to Dignity Health Sports Park, which you mentioned is going to full be full capacity. The stadium is going to pa- be packed. What what are, what are your what are your thoughts, Chris, on uh, having a full fully a uh, full capacity uh, Dignity Health Sports Park? It's going to be fantastic, man. I I listen. I have been to the games this season so far. We had games with five, six thousand fans in the stadium, but even those five or six thousand people, they had been without soccer for an entire year. They were just so hungry for it. The energy was there. It was just bottled up for an entire year. Those five and six thousand sounded like thirty thousand. So I can only imagine what full capacity Dignity Health Sports Park is going to sound and feel like. It's definitely going to be electric. I know the team is going to feel that, especially with the magnitude of this game versus the Sounders. Because let's face it, this is the best team in MLS right now. There's so many implications for this game. Uh, the LA Galaxy could potentially tie Seattle in points on the table if they win this game at home on Saturday. So the atmosphere is going to be electric. It's going to be, it's honestly probably going to feel like a cup final or, or a playoff game, in my opinion. So I'm excited, man. I know you guys are. I know everybody out there is excited. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll definitely talk about that. Yeah. Nico, uh, give us your thoughts. Obviously, the Seattle Sounders come, coming into town, right? You know, you guys are going to be flying down, uh, coming in and playing at a, a fully packed house. You're not, you know, we know what happened the first time around. But but what are your thoughts uh, on Seattle coming playing over here? I mean, I, I was really excited till this whole rumors about Javier Hernandez possibly being in the Gold Cup roster because that's going to just change things a little bit, obviously. Uh, I love to see Raul Ruiz on one side, Javier Hernandez on the other. Uh, Raul Ruiz obviously not being taken into uh, account by Gareca for Copa America, so he's coming back traveling with a huge chip on his shoulder. I can tell you that knowing the Raul, uh, the way he is as a person, as a player, talking to him constantly, he's going to come in here guns blazing. Raul Ruiz has, has, has had his eye on the golden boot of the league for several years. He was one away from Diego Rossi in the past. He wants it bad. So uh, I, I would really tell the LA fans to watch out because that guy is going to come in whoo, just hot. So uh, that's number one. Number two, I think Seattle is going to go out there in the same type of mentality. This team is going to be very, very motivated to get rid of the bad taste in their mouth that two draws at home left against Austin, obviously against Atlanta, where they weren't able to really play their soccer. So I think it's going to be a, a very good game. Raul Ruiz changes this whole aspect. We thought it was going to be Will Bruin and Freddie Montero. Now it's going to be probably Will and Raul Ruiz. Brad Smith is back. He had a small setback with an injury. But he's been practicing, as far as I know, should be available for the Galaxy game. Yamar Gomez-Andrade is the stronghold in the back. He's going to be great. Nuhu, obviously, with him. Shane O'Neill will more than likely take Javier Arriaga's place, who is currently with Ecuador at Copa America. So it's going to be a great game. I really do think it's going to be a back-and-forth battle uh, because at home, like you just said, I feel like the Galaxy are going to be more aggressive than they were here. Uh, However, I do feel like... Seattle is very equipped to, if Javier Hernandez was to play, to really cancel him out, to really cut off his uh, services, which is exactly what they did here. They just put him in an island, suffocated him completely, did not allow any balls to get to him. Uh, so it should be a good game, though. But I think Seattle is really going to get out there and you'll see them be more aggressive than they typically are at away. 
Yeah, I think I think either. I mean, this game is going to be uh, right both. And I and to your point, I think uh, I don't think we should be ruling out Chicharito as of yet. I pretty I have a feeling he's going to play this game. I'm pretty sure he, he he'll play this game. This may be one of his final games that he gets called up to 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 the to the to the Gold Cup. But nevertheless, uh, Chris, you know, you just mentioned it, right? Uh, we'll look at the leaderboard right now. Obviously, Seattle and uh, first place with with 18 points, right? And then uh, right. number three, the LA Galaxy with 15 points. So obviously, a win puts it up there. Uh, puts puts them right up there with with the with the Seattle Sounders, but let, but let's talk let's talk about this right because you know we we heard you know I talked to we talked about Greg Vanny and you know about you know the Chicharito and he said he deserves to be in the discussion right so now these these things are coming about Chicharito but uh, what are your thoughts uh, on you know the Galaxy potentially being out without a, a Chicharito for a couple or three or four weeks maybe a month I believe, um, but going into this game you know obviously I think. Obviously, he's going to have to leave it all out there, but we want to see a great performance from him. It's yeah, I mean, it's it's never a good thing when the when when you lose your top goal scorer, right? It always leaves you in a very bad position when that happens. Now, Chicharito has earned himself a call up to the national team, uh, not only because of what he's done this season, which you know means seven goals in seven games is pretty impressive, but. He is Mexico's top leading goal scorer of, of, of all time, you know, as, as it stands right now. He deserves that call-up. He needs to be on that team. Unbiasedly, I'm saying that because biasedly as a Galaxy fan, I, would, I wouldn't want him to go on international duty ever again, right, because he misses <laughs> games. But he's earned it, and he definitely needs to go. Um, it's going to put us in a tight spot, but I don't think, I don't think it's going to be as bad as it could be had we not purchased Kevin Cabral, Samuel Grancir, and you know we've we we have Ethan Zubak on the bench. Um, he's he's a guy. He's an option. You know, Kevin Cabral is also an option. You can also slot him in as that sole uh, target striker. So we have options. There's depth here. You know, there's there's things we can move around to make it happen. But it could potentially hurt us. Hope not. Yeah, well, 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 I think, uh, I think the thing that with with Chicharito, right, is he, he like to your point, he's deserved it. After 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 what I saw with the U.S. men's national team, which they deserved to win, um, which they got the win, I was like, yeah, this the moving forward, Chicharito, our, our number nine, uh, deserves you know to be up there because if the game would have been different. You know, you you hate to talk about like, oh, if they had this player right, but you you clearly know what, what the Mexican national team is missing, and they're missing a player like Chicharito. So that that that's that's exciting for him. Um, him playing and you know potentially getting called up and making the final roster, which we all assume, right? But a lot a lot of things are going are going to change. But I think one of the things is tactically what we've seen from the Seattle Sounders, right? You, uh, Nico, you guys typically play like a, it's a five or three in the back, right? It's a combination of five, three in the back. Talk to me about your defense and, and, and how you guys tried to disrupt the forward Chicharito, the wingers and, and all that. Yeah, they just try to beat him out in numbers. Uh, that's just basically what it is. It, it is a, a five-man back line, essentially, at times, whenever Brad and, um, obviously, Alex Roldan drop back. And if it's not Alex or Brad, it's always going to be one of those uh, – Insider center midfielders is going to drop back. Joe Paulo is a is a very smart tactical player. He's not the fastest, uh, but he manages to cover a lot of space because he knows how to 
plays himself and knows how to read how attacks are coming by. So he's going to be that guy that's going to get in between that line, push out Yamar that is extremely fast, can cover ground, and he's going to make sure that they're always disciplined. And, and that drawing, that, that that tactical three, is never going to be misshaped, right? So I think that's what Seattle does perfectly. Knew who? Changing to center back has been obviously the revelation this season. Uh, I thought that it was a fantastic idea and credit to the entire coaching staff of Seattle to really be able to fit two of the more dynamic players in the same field, right? Uh, with Brad Smith and Nuhu, they were always interchangeable. They, were, they, mm -hmm. they both provided a lot of that speed and and obviously Nuhu being that lockdown defender you would have that in and out now you have it constantly and it's worked perfectly for seattle i know that uh there's been a lot of talks about his inability to really put passes through and all these things but i think that new is growing as a center back i think that uh, he can break lines by driving the ball by dribbling through the lines and and i think that's, that makes this team extremely good so defensively when it comes to javier hernandez uh, they're just going to make sure that there's always two guys on them. Uh, they're going to be physical with him. They're going to not allow him to get the ball in the final third. And that's exactly what they did here in Seattle. They're going to make sure that uh, the the wingers, whether it's Cabral or uh, on the other side, if it's if, even maybe uh, your fullbacks pushing through, they're going to make sure that there's no service through. So uh, another thing that Seattle does, not necessarily defensively, but it is with their wingbacks, they try to pin you back and make you defend by, by keeping those guys high as well. So I think mm -hmm. that's some of the stuff that you might see against uh, the LA Galaxy. My only yeah, let's, concern... Let's, I, want to, I want to hit on that. Let's, let's hit on that, right? Because of sure. the services in the, cross, in the crosses too, because Nico brings up a great point of you know limiting the crosses in, right? Because of the five defensive and how they do that, right? Sure. That instantly comes into my mind. Kevin Cabral, Samuel Grandsir, right? Julian Araujo. Jorge Villafania, right? So I think that, like, uh, offensively, right, uh, to approach this game, right, you want to break those lines. You want to be more creative uh, to the guys. It's going to be tough. Yeah, so, so give me your thoughts on how they, they break that back five. So listen, and I, as a, as a diehard Galaxy fan, right, I, I also have to be unbiased as, as a reporter. The Seattle Sounders are number one for a reason. They have a phenomenal defense. They've only allowed three goals all season. They have the highest goal differential in the league, 11-plus goals. They've scored the second highest amount of goals in the league. So not only are they good defensively, they have a potent offense, Raul Riadias being one of the best, if not arguably the best striker in the league. Uh, he's only one goal behind Chicharito, by the way. The Galaxy have their work cut out for them, and we saw them slice the LA Galaxy down in Seattle a couple of weeks ago. Okay, the way the Galaxy breaks down that Seattle defense, okay, is is Kevin Cabral and Samuel Grancir. Mm -hmm. Because the way Chicharito plays, he's not a dynamic striker that's going to be cutting through lines and weaving through defenders. That's not his style of play. It's going to depend on those two Frenchmen, that French connection. Their youth and their speed is going to have to win the day for the LA Galaxy on Saturday. They're going to have to just 
blaze as fast as possible through that defense. We saw Kevin Cabral do it in the last game. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the kid has the talent. He has the ability to do it. He can take on defenders one-on-one. He's going to have to do that this game, and then he's going to have to get the ball to Chicharito. That's the way it's done, but also it's going to be a battle of the midfields. And like Nico said, one of the strongest pieces in that Seattle Sounders team is Jao Paulo. He is the best central defensive midfielder in the league. The guy is arguably the best player on the Seattle Sounders, in my opinion. He's the guy that makes that team work. So the LA Galaxy definitely has their work cut out for them in the defense, the midfield, and the offense. But I think that's the key to victory, the two French kids. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think also uh, seeing Kevin Cabral, whoever he gets paired up with uh, on the left side, whether there's Gomez or uh, Rodon on that side, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting because I this is where I like to see. This is I think a, a game for Kevin Cabral to to explode right against the the number one team right now. I just want to get into the chat. Uh, Jose Lopez uh, says Brad Spitt is my favorite Sounders player. Seems like the like he never gets tired. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, and he says, look at this group, Kekombo. Kekom- he also says, uh, when Chicha goes to the Gold Cup and Ru- Ru- Rui Diaz averages two goals per game in spite of the Amer- Gold- uh, Copa America snub. I mean, we could definitely see that. I mean, right now, <laughs> uh, we could definitely see that. So uh, right now, Javier uh, Chicharito has seven goals. Raul Rui has six. Jesus Medina has five. And Alan Pulido has five. So, I mean, that's definitely going to change, right, uh, if Chicharito's not playing uh, in the MLS. But, um uh, what uh, another thing what I want to get into is is um you know give give us your thoughts on Brad Smith because Jose he he makes a great point he's had some uh, very uh, crucial goals for you guys against the LAFC is what I remember Brad Smith just coming up clutch uh, give me your thoughts on Brad Smith so far this year well, I mean Brad Smith was a, a great addition I loved him for the very first time he I saw him practice here at Starfire. Then eventually he became a, a big part of what uh, Seattle tried to do. I used to love to see uh, his pairing with Victor Rodriguez at the time and the ability for him to cut inside and Victor stay outside and they were interchanged. So I think we lost you. Your, yeah, I was getting okay, a call. I just hung it up. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously something that uh, Brad Smith does well is his ability to just get forward, right? Being an attacker, and he does that well. If there, if I, I can get in a call. If there is something that uh, he he maybe could do better that he hasn't done great this season is that pass in the final third. He has not been as crisp. He has not been a cl- as clinical as he potentially can be. Uh, there's been a couple of games just recent in which he could have potentially had an assist for a goal-changing victory for Seattle against Austin, against Atlanta. Uh, but he's obviously been somebody that, because of the new formation, has benefited. He gets so far forward that he's always in a position to score goals. Alex Roldan and his ability to just put great balls, services inside, helps him as well because he's always going to be making that run to the second post. Uh, so he's a very smart player. Uh, he's someone who, honestly, gives Seattle uh, – a lot of width, which you wouldn't have without him. I mean, and that was the whole reason why Seattle went to this formation was the lack, the lack of wingers. No Jordan Morris, no mm-hmm. speed on the outside. So what do you do? You bring wingbacks, and Brassman is a huge part of it. So uh, he's a very crucial player for Seattle, absolutely, and, and he's going to continue to do it. Um, I think that although he had that small injury, I expect him to be in full form against the LA Galaxy, but he is absolutely important for what Seattle tries to do. 
Yeah, no, I'm very, very impressed with Brad Smith and the play we're talking about earlier, right? Raul Ruiz Diaz. Uh, Chris, uh, give me your thoughts on um, how the how the Galaxy you know can contain him, right? Because that, that's that's a player I feel like you can only contain. He's very talented, right? You got Araujo, Daniel Stairs. I'm assuming Nick Dupuis, uh, Jorge Villafania. Uh, uh, potentially that could be the the back starting lineup. That's why I'm going off sure. of the last game. But how how, how are the Galaxy gonna be able to contain Ruiz Diaz? Did you say the center back pairing is going to be Steres? I said it could be. It could be. It could be. It could be. Okay. It could be. That's what I'm, I'm going ex- off for. I'm expecting Sega to make a, a start here. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. He's, he has, I'm, he has I'm expecting league. Sega to make a start here over over Nick Dupuy. That's just uh, uh, you know uh, a very educated guess because uh, we don't know what his physical condition is. He just got into the States, uh, I believe, two weeks ago. He went through quarantine period, so he might be a little rusty. I guess it all depends on what Greg Vanny sees on the on the training pitch. But listen, as far as your question's concerned, Raul Ruiz Diaz is is the guy's a pit bull. He's a pit bull, and he's a very dynamic striker. His short his short stature just helps him so much because he's. Despite his stature, I've seen the guy muscle very big defenders off the ball. Mm-hmm. He just finds a way to get through defenders very easily. Sometimes um, he he finds this the his positioning is great. He can weave his way through with the ball, off the ball. It doesn't matter. So the LA Galaxy is going to really have to lean in on that veteran presence of guys like Jorge Villafania, Daniel Stares. They're going to have to really keep a close eye on, uh, eye on him all night. And another thing, the LA Galaxy does have a new addition, something they didn't have for the last game with the Seattle Sounders in Seattle. That's Ryan Revelson, our new central defensive mm. midfielder. So this adds a new dynamic to the Galaxy, something we haven't had in a very long time. I know some people will argue and say that Jonathan Dos Santos has been that player for us, but that's not his natural position. He's not a natural center defensive midfielder like Seattle has with Jao Paulo. And of course, now the Galaxy has with Ryan Revelson. So hopefully that added that added measure of defense in that midfield will allow the defenders a little bit more breathing room when it comes to defending a guy like Raul Ruiz Diaz, who is mm-hmm. so dangerous no matter what. So is, is Revolson already here? Is is he, he, is he? He is here. He is here, and he has been training with the. But team. I don't know if he'll be available. Actually, actually, team. you know what? I I'm mistake. I am mistaken. I am mistaken. He is not here yet. He is still in the visa process. That's what. Um, I, that's what. I, right. That's still during the visa process. I'm thinking Sega. Sega is here. Sega is training. Yeah. Um. We can hope and pray that further down the line, Ryan Revelson is with the team. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. That veteran presence, Jorge Villafaña and Daniel Starris are really going to have to hold it tight. Uh, and Sega Kulebali, I mean, the guy's going to have to really show up big for the LA Galaxy on what could arguably be his first game, right? Yeah. What a first game! What a way to test yourself against the very first. Uh, your very first game is against the best team in the league, against one of the best strikers in the league. So, test yeah, the trial gonna, by fire. He's going to be a handful. He's going to be a handful, guys. I, I got to tell you. I, I in the crazy part about this, they get the they crazy, getting called. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the, 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 crazy the, mad. <laughs> the crazy part about this whole thing, guys, is that 
Uh, I had a one-on-one with Raul Rodriguez prior to him leaving to uh, Copa, uh, to qualifiers uh, initially with Peru. And he was telling me that he was still not even used to this new formation, that it was odd for him to even play without a 10 behind him. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine how Raul is going to be with, you know, a couple more games under his sleeves. He's going to come in and uh, obviously he's played this formation a little bit better. So, I mean, man, the sky is the limit for this guy. I really do feel like this is his year to hold the golden boot. I think that uh, Will Bruin is the perfect um, partner for him up there because Will Bruin's going to take a lot of that physicality. He's going to uh, draw in the defenders. He's going to draw back a little bit, and Raul could just play off of him. Uh, so, man, it, it's it's not just Raul Ridias, but also Will Bruin who who really makes space for Raul in this uh, new formation. He doesn't have a 10, but he has a partner in Will Bruin that could really deflect a lot of that coverage. And I'm excited to see how they're going to pair up at L.A. Uh, to hold that back. Yeah, no, I think that's that's going to be the, the matchup everybody's going to see, right? Because uh, you can only contain him at, at times, right? It may, it make it rough on him. Uh, the, the other thing I want to see is, right, it's the midfield. It's going to be the midfield, right, for, for the L.A. Galaxy. We, we know uh, Greg Vanny's still adjusting to certain things. There's been injuries. We don't know yet the status. Uh, we'll find out later this week the status of Jonathan Dos Santos, if he's going to be available for this game. But uh, so far, the Galaxy do have Sebastian Legette, right? They, he just comes back. He's coming back from playing with the U.S. national team. Coming, you know, they won Nation League, which is which is amazing. He got to play in the game. Um, but there's been a, a little bit of, you know, it's been Efrain Alvarez, Legette, Kleshman, you know, at times moving around, at times, you know, playing that 10. Uh, what are your thoughts on this midfield and, and playing in this game, uh, uh, Chris? Yeah, so uh, like I mentioned earlier, this is going to be a big battle of those midfields, right? Um, Seattle has such a great midfield. The LA Galaxy is going to have to go toe-to-toe with it. Um, Guys that can make a big difference in that midfield is Victor Vasquez, okay? Who uh, Actually, if you remember the first Seattle game, he came out early. Um, this, This is not a turf field. We're at home. Um, he is hopefully 100% fit and healthy by now. But if Victor Vasquez is healthy and he's fit, he's going to play a crucial crucial role in this game uh, because it's something that the LA Galaxy has been missing throughout you know these last couple of games, that, that creative, that creative uh, edge that a guy like Victor Vasquez can bring to a game like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sebastian Legette is going to be a great addition. Having him back is always great. He's, uh, he's having a great season so far not only with the la galaxy but also with the national team so having him back is just big it's enormous hopefully jonathan dos santos is back on the field as well we he had that injury it was a calf tightness he's been having issues with it all season uh his presence is always welcomed you know he's a phenomenal player so if that midfield is complete in that sense, Victor Vasquez, Sebastian Legett, and Jonathan Dos Santos, I believe we have a chance. Yeah, and it's going to be the thing also, right? I'm with you on the midfield, but I think also on the other side of things, I know what the, what the Galaxy can do with Victor Vasquez. I think Victor Vasquez is going to be crucial for this game, whether he starts or doesn't, because the playmaking abilities, how he opens up the game for Chicharito, how he puts the ball where he's supposed to put it, right? He knows where he, they have a better understanding. I think the thing with Victor Vasquez is just his health. I think, what was it, his hip or his hamstring? I, I don't recall the, the injury. It was his, it was his groin. Oh, it's growing, growing. Yeah. So Which I think such a, such a delicate little muscle, you know, and mm-hmm. even when you feel good, 
you can re-aggravate the injury mm-hmm. very easily, you know, and at his age, it's very easy to do. So hopefully he's he's back to yeah. near fitness. And what, what I was going to say it, to that with Victor Vasquez is just the playmaking ability to, to open up the game and, and move the ball around and, and put, put the pieces. But on the other side, Nico, one, one player that's really stood out to me is Christian Roldan and, the, and what he's done with the Seattle Sounders. Talk to me about him because he – He's a guy that can just literally change the game in a second with the pass and adjustment. And I think I've seen that when he's played the both LATs, LAFC and LA Galaxy, his playmaking ability is also spectacular. Look, guys, Christian Rodin has been a crucial and fundamental player for Seattle for years. I mean, I remember arguing with Siggy Smith about letting him get more playtime uh, in general. I mean, that's how long I've been following this guy. And what, what changes these days is that the lack of Nicolas Odero in this particular formation emphasizes so much more on what he's able to do. Is that mixed function, that box-to-box ability, his uh, physical awareness, uh, smart, and uh, his ability to just cover space. It's, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, his intelligence, I've always called him, uh, he, he's like a, a V8 on a small Honda body. I mean, <laughs> he just his lungs are huge, yeah. man. This guy just runs all day long, and and I've been a, a, someone who's always been a, a Christian Roldan guy. So this year, absolutely, uh, obviously, uh, Chris mentioned Joe being the most valuable player, the best player for Seattle uh, today. I, I don't think that's uh, wrong, and, and it's a, it's another great player. But if it was up to me, if I had to choose one right now. Aside from Raul Ruiz, it'd be Christian Roldan because he's so important of everything he does. I mean, he he's literally doing a little bit of everything in this formation, and he's doing so much more now uh, th- that he's uh, he's covering so much more space than before. I mean, he's changed completely, right? He played the wing. Yeah. He was kind of doing that. He played the center defensive midfield with another you know center defensive midfielder. You know what so it is, though, changes. right? It's the Salvadorian genetics, man. That's what it is. <laughs> there you go. There we go. It is. And he'll say stamina. I was, I, for me to bring it back, it's because he's from L.A. That's why. He's from what, Pico Rivera? That's I, why. I think he's from Martesia or something like that. Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's proud of both. Hey, his brother works for the Galaxy, so, yeah. you know. Maybe and the one thing, the, the yeah. one thing about Christian, he always shows up in these in these LA games. He's always, he's, I mean, he shows oh, yeah. up in every game, but he shows. I feel like he puts a little bit more emphasis of him being back home, right? And I think that that's the thing. That, to your point, I, I, we've seen him elevate, right? Is it because Nicolas Dero is still out, right? We're, yeah. we're we're seeing, and and right, if there wasn't for the U.S. Men's National Team get having so much talent, you could also. You know he should get a shot, but there's just so much young talent that, that that's playing that's playing in Europe and everything, which totally makes sense. But I mean, yeah. out of the MLS players, right? We we have Sebastian Legette there, but I, I would also consider Christian Roldan. But it's look, just guys, so I, tough. I, I I haven't been with you guys, and this is a hot take that I throw often is that for me, Christian Roldan is the player that is best equipped to succeed in Europe. No knock to Jordan Morris because he was fantastic. Obviously, he had the injury, but to me. His versatility, his range, his uh, effort, work ethic, ability to just be that player that will do absolutely everything for the team, and his talent overall. I mean, man, he is the full package. I don't know how several teams in Europe have not come knocking on this guy's door. Uh, I feel like it's a huge misservice to him because he has got everything to be successful in Europe. 
Yeah, no, I mean, he, he definitely brings a lot to the table, and it's interesting, right? Because you, you hopefully that he does get an opportunity to to play in Europe because we we know what he can do, and, he, and he's definitely been been killing it here. Um, I want to talk about the goalkeeping now, uh, Chris. You know, we we see we see Jonathan Bond a day sure. in day out. Um, let's talk about this. He had his by far his best game. Uh, I think it was the last game against what was the the, the San Jose Earthquakes. You know, he had like twelve saves, I believe, or something. You know, man it was of the match tied everything. for a record. Yes, tied for a record. So let, let's let's talk about Jonathan Bonwire. Right? You know, the goals he's conceded. We talked. I've said this before. I don't think those are his fault. And he had a, he had a shutout game right before the break. Going mm-hmm. into this game, he's gonna be right. He's gonna be tested. It's the Seattle Sounders, right? But I think this game, I, I don't know if it's gonna be a shutout, a shutout because it's the Sounders. But I think, you know, he is definitely gonna be challenging. And what are your thoughts on Bond going into this game? It's such a calming and reassuring presence to have in the back line. Uh, to have a goalkeeper like Jonathan Bond, because you know, as as we saw in that San Jose game. Our defense was very leaky. San Jose just peppered our goal. It was shot after shot after shot. That game should have definitely ended with a different scoreline in favor of San Jose. But Jonathan Bond came up big, and he has been coming up big for the LA Galaxy from the very first game of the season. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. You know, the 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 goal differential doesn't reflect the work that Jonathan Bond has done in that in that goal. Um, I feel confident, and this is me as a fan, right? We've heard the players express as much during the press conferences. They feel confident when they're asked about Jonathan Bond. You know, there's that calming presence. We've seen how vocal he is with the back line. He's directing them, you know, he's yelling at them. Uh, We haven't seen that from a Galaxy goalkeeper in a very long time. We haven't felt that uh, that calming presence since Jaime Pinedo, in all honesty. You know, we've had uh, Dan Kennedy, Donovan Ricketts back there. We had uh, Brian Rowe, uh, Kempen, you name it, right? Uh, Diop and Bingham, you just don't have that same feeling as you do with Jonathan Bond now. So he's definitely going to be key in this game because I know for a fact, anyone out there with two brain cells knows for a fact that the Seattle Sounders is going to come out guns blazing. They're not here for a draw. They're not here for, for anything else. They're here for a win. Okay. So they're going to come out guns blazing and Jonathan Bond back there puts a little confidence in me. 100%. 100%. And I would say I would add on to that too as well. Um, he's already done so much, but I feel like in this game, right, because of what we expect the Sounders are going to do, I think he may have to do a little more than what he's, what he's done. But, but Nico, let's, let's talk about your guys' goalkeeping situation because I don't know if Stefan Fry, give us an update of what's going on with Stefan Fry because I know you guys had uh, some backups. Yeah, uh, there's no update. Uh, ever since late May, I believe it was May 28th, uh, when Brian uh, initially told us that. Uh, Unfortunately, Stefan had developed some blood clots. Obviously, that requires blood thinners and things that do not allow him to be on the mm-hmm. field. At this point, he's still undetermined. Uh, there has been no update on a uh, long or, or short time window when he'll be back. So that's a big uh, question mark there, right? Because uh, Stephen Cleveland has done well, uh, but he hasn't really been tested, I would say. Atlanta... Uh, didn't necessarily test them often. Austin had that one uh, where 
uh, Javier Arraga has an issue coming out from the back, and they come in on a counter, and he does a great job of getting big and stops the ball. But I feel like if there is a weak point or an Achilles heel to this Seattle team would be on goal just because of how huge, how monumental, how important Stefan Fry has been on goal with huge saves and, and his leadership back there, his ability to yell at his back line and said, hey, you're getting too far. Or, you know, he's yelling at Brad Smith, hey, palm back a little bit at Alex. I mean, he does just more than being a fantastic keeper and keep, keeping Seattle from getting scored on. But also that leadership is something that you miss when he's not quite there. So uh, definitely he's going to be tested against LA if uh, you guys are able to obviously get through that midfield and uh, eventually get uh, Javier Hernandez in positions of goal, uh, unlike what happened here in Seattle. So uh, I'm interested in seeing how he plays that game as well. Yeah, Chris, let's talk about that because I think, you know, he just had on the point, you know, the one of the weaknesses for the Seattle Sounders is to be goalkeeping, right? And, and, sure. some of, and the, to test them out, right? Obviously, we, we think of Chicharito, but also think of the players in the midfield, Kevin Cabral, we know what he can do, right? And, and Samuel Grand Sir. Uh, we've seen him, you know, he, he's the one that created the goal, the goal, the goal opportunity for them. So I think this is a great, this is a great game for, for all these guys to come out and come sh- test out the keeper. Right. That's listen. And that was a perfect way of putting it, Nico, the Achilles heel of the Seattle team, if you could even call it that, because this is such a solid ironclad team, it's going to be that. And the inexperience of of uh, of Cleveland, because uh, listen, looking back at his career, uh, the majority of his career was spent in the lower division, right? Uh, USL, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, not a lot of MLS experience. Definitely not a lot of experience versus um, a, a striker of the caliber of Chicharito. You know, uh, his ability to find those spots, those areas in that box. He can really be a thorn in the side of of a relatively inexperienced goalkeeper like Cleveland. So that's a good that's a good way to see it. The Galaxy can exploit that uh, the inexperience uh, of Cleveland, right? And and this is going to be a big game. This is going to be a big game, uh, full capacity for LA at home. There's going to be a lot of pressure. Listen, I know the Galaxy fan base, right? <laughs> Listen. They're going to be yelling quite loud at that goalkeeper, right? So I do not, I do not envy him. Okay, he's going to be getting yelled at. Um, it, so it might, it might, it might weigh, it might weigh really heavy on him, and it can really take him out of the game. Galaxy has to exploit that. So I can see that as a weakness for sure. Yeah, and I think we're in, on, on, just adding on to that, right? I want to see if it's Victor Vasquez, it's Sebastian Legette taking shots from outside the eighteen. Because if you get if you get a ricochet, it hits a crossbar, the keeper doesn't get it, then you assume Chicharito can can come up and clean it up. Because sure. I think those those are those are going to be some of the opportunities that Chicharito. If it's a tight game, which I assume it may, it may be, I don't think you know Nico is saying is, is going to be as open. But if it's a tight game, Legit has a shot from outside the eighteen. Chicharito's there either put it back in the net or for for a goal opportunity. And I think that's that's where it, the game could be won and lost, right? It could, it could come down to that. And I think some of the go ahead. the galaxy the galaxy so far this season, if I'm not mistaken, uh, has yet to score a goal on a set piece. They have yet to score a goal on a set piece. So this is also something they can exploit. Now you're saying guys that can take long shots like Victor Vasquez, Legette. I know Brian Schmetzer. The guy is a 
he's a genius when analyzing games and i know for a fact that he watches these 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 videos of the teams that he's playing against and he knows the strengths and obviously he's going to know that set pieces aren't a strength for the galaxy maybe the galaxy can use that to their advantage and they can try for those set piece shots against an inexperienced goalkeeper like Cleveland. So this could be an avenue as well for the Galaxy, a road to victory. You bring up a great point, Nico. I want to ask you about this. We we saw, I think it was a, the week two or whatever, you, whenever you guys played LAFC of, you know, when Stefan Fry didn't want, uh, what was it, Raul Ruiz? I don't know, knew who, knew who, right? Under under the under the the, 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 the the line of the defenders, right? And the, obviously, I think Eduardo Trustein is scoring the goal. Talk to me about how that has changed on Brian Smetzer thinking uh, on defending these set pieces. I don't think it's changed much. I, I mean, he, he kind of – I asked him about it two or three times, I believe, and he kind of <laughs> just blew it off. Uh, and I just think that it's something that they will look forward in the future. Uh, but when we talked, he basically said we'd rather not to put a player that's going to be – potentially um, putting a guy on site if he's just laying there. What we would rather do is just have the wall not jump. So uh, if there is going to be a situation like that one, I would su- I would suspect that that's what they will do, is just put the wall up, nobody jumps, they just stick their ground, and, and, and that's how they take it. Uh, however, Seattle is yet to receive a goal uh, in line of play. They've both been off of a PK or a set piece, so... Uh, it is something that perhaps L.A. can do. And once again, I, I think Chris hit it right on. I mean, I was going to talk about that uh, when it comes to an unexperienced keeper uh, and there's a crowd and there's like an atmosphere. Set pieces tend to be somewhere where uh, you're either taking a step too far left, too far right in a free kick, or you're coming out to punch the ball and you totally miss or, you know, things like that. Miscommunications with your defenders uh, can obviously be – an issue and like I said this is no knock on Stephen Cleveland because he's been great and Tom Dutra is one of the best uh, keeper coaches in the league if not the best uh, but unexperienced and, and obviously if there was to be an Achilles heel to the Seattle team it'd have to be there just because yay you know he just hasn't had that much MLS playtime. Yeah, no, I mean that, that that makes sense, and I think one one of the things when when I look at both of these teams, right, it's both both are as of right now. I already know what what the Seattle Sounders have done for the number of years, right? The Galaxy, completely different team. We know with Greg Vanny and what Chicharitos has done. These are both teams that are, you know could potentially meet later down the line, obviously in the playoffs or in the Western Conference, depending how seating uh, Western Conference Finals, right, depending how seating goes. So. This is not going to be. I don't know. I don't know how many games they're going to play after this one, um, or this may be the final. I haven't looked that far in the schedule, but we are going to see. I, we, I have a funny feeling that we are going to see these teams come playoff time, whether it's the second round, first round, or wherever. Right, mostly the, the second round because we're going to learn a lot about this. This both of these teams. I think a little bit more about the Galaxy because I think. I don't want to say that this is not a big game for the Sounders. I think every game is big, but I think a lot of people are expecting to see how the the Galaxy are going to bounce back from that 3-0 deficit that happened weeks ago, right? And I think you want you want to change. If Greg Vanny, you're at home, you want to change that. You're back with the fans, full capacity. What did you learn? What right? You switched up. I think Greg Vanny switched up his formation when it played the Seattle Sounders the first time. This time around, uh, you know, I think he may have, may have overthought it from what I'm remembering, but I think now with with having most of his players back. Uh, we'll find out who's who's going to be available, but I think you know what what's going to come down to. And, and the thing what we've seen with Greg Vanny, uh, 
as he's able to make adjustments, he'll, he'll adjust, right? Chris, he'll, he'll adjust whether, whether it's at the formation or a player. And it's a chess match, right? You got Brian Schmetzer, who arguably I believe is, is the best coach in MLS right now, and Greg Vanny, who, who is looking like the, 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 you know, the coach of the year, in my, in my opinion, if, if he's able to turn around the, the LA Galaxy like the way he's doing and con- continues to do this. But, but Chris, like, give me your thoughts. What, what, are, what are your score predictions for this game? There's going to be goals. I know that for a fact. <laughs> There's going to be goals. But as far as trying to predict a, a, a score line here, I'm going to go ahead and say unbiasedly that the this game is looking like a tie. Okay. And um, hi. Hey, listen. I, <laughs> I don't know if it, this is Galaxy, this is Galaxy the, fans are going to turn on you if you say they're going to turn on me. But I have to be. I have to be realistic. This is this is the the second best offense in the league, second only to I think Sporting Kansas City, who scored 16 goals so far all season. The Seattle Sounders are a potent team. Okay, and defensively they're solid. They've allowed three goals all season. That is mind blowing. So. This is this is one of those games where the LA Galaxy has to kind of hunker down. They have to try for the win, of course. They're at home. They're undefeated at home so far. They have to try for the win. But if they do get goals, okay, and I do predict that the Galaxy will get at least one or two, okay, they cannot allow Seattle to score, okay, period. But knowing Seattle and knowing the, the potency that they have in that offense – it might happen. It's very realistic. So I'm maybe thinking a two-two draw. Okay. And this is one of those, this is one of those draws that might actually feel like a win. Okay. Um so I'll would, go with I would, that. I would I would have to disagree. I don't I don't think this game, if a draw I don't think a draw feels would feel like a win to Galaxy LA Galaxy. I think only a win. I think only beating the Seattle Sounders would feel like a win because uh I would feel like that if if if, uh, if you know, if the Galaxy were at 80%, 70%, they're missing. I know they're missing Derek Williams. They may be without sure. Jonathan DeSantos, but they're going to have, I think, I'm assuming Chicharito will still be sure. for this game. But I think yeah. if they get, if they get, if they Listen, get a, you know, it, a, a win, Vic, it's a win. It, if Victor Vasquez is healthy and he's a starter in that, in that center attacking midfield position, if you have Sebastian Legette in there and if you have both your French wingers ready to go, and they're stepping up to this game, then you have a very good chance of outscoring the Seattle Sounders, even if it's by a goal, okay? Uh, and then everything else is going to rest on that defense. But if you have Victor Vasquez, that's going to add another dimension to that attack. It's going to it's going to allow so much chance creation, play creation. It's going to allow freedom to the wingers, and it's going to allow freedom to Chicharito. So that's it. a lot hinges on that. In all honesty, yeah. Before we get to you, Nico, people in the chat, let me know what you guys' score predictions. Do you agree with Chris? I, I do feel like it's going to be a tight game, and I do feel like it could potentially be a tie. Uh, let me know what you guys think if this game uh, will be a tie. What, what score predictions, Nick? Nico, give us your thoughts. Well, uh, I mean, I agree that this is going to be a very different game than it was in Seattle. Um, but um, once again, I do believe that Seattle is very well equipped to uh, really hold off or resist and uh, try to black out whatever uh, the LA Galaxy can do on the attacking third. I think Cabral is a player that, you know, makes things a little bit different. He got behind uh, Seattle's uh, defenders, I think twice. And in one of them, I think Steph had to make a save in Seattle. So he's a very interesting player. 
but I think Seattle's going to take the win. I think that they're going to come in with the same mentality, their ability to be elite and precise in counterattacks. Uh, that's been the biggest change that this time has had. Uh, for me, the biggest change I've seen in Seattle is how elite they are right now in their transition from defense to offense. Four, five passes, they're on top of you. There is Raul in the right position or Brad's been making the run in the second uh, post and they're scoring. So I think Seattle's going to take a win. If I had to take a score, I would say 2-1. I think that once again, uh, Stephen Cleveland perhaps might let one go by and, and uh, to the respect that I have for uh, Vanny and, and this uh, LA Galaxy attack, I think a 2-1 uh, would be good. But I expect Raul Ruiz to have a fantastic game and to at least put one in the back of the net. So, yeah. yes, 2-1 win for Seattle. 2-1. I agree with those score, scores. They're, they're, it's going to be a tight. Uh, Tony in the chat says he has 3-1 LA Galaxy. I mean, that would be a statement, right? That would be that a, would a be. statement. That would be a statement. I think that's what the Galaxy are looking to do after being shut out 3-0. Um, but I think, uh, for me, I think the, the, the X factor is Kevin Cabral because if he's able to do what he did last game against the San Jose Earthquakes, and he does that to Seattle Sounders, and the game opens up for Chicharito, and it just opens up for everybody because if he's able to beat people with his with just his pure talent and speed on the wing, it's going to open up, and I think that Seattle Sounders may have a chance. But if they're able to shut him down, it's the same thing for the Seattle Sounders. Then, then on the other side, they they got they got all the momentum. But um, but guys, that's all the time we have. Uh, great show. Uh, Nico, let the people know where they can follow you. Hey, well, first of all, thank you, man. I had a blast. I could probably talk to you guys for a whole other hour, but as you guys see, my phone keeps ringing anyhow, so <laughs> I'm going to have to answer quite That's a few uh, yeah. calls here in a second. But hey, all you guys could find me at uh, El Rolo, N-W-E-L-R-O-L-O, just like the candy. <laughs> uh, N-W, that is <laughs> what my What candy uh, is that? Ad. I don't know. What, what, what candy is that? Yeah, it's a, apparently it's a candy here. It's like a chocolate caramel. Uh, Rolo is just what they call people from Bogota, uh, from, from Colombia. That's why they, they call me El Rolo because I'm from Bogota. And so that's just kind of the, the, the thing about it. But I, the, the candy here kind of kills it because I was like, oh, is it a candy? No, it's not a candy. <laughs> I don't even like the candy. candy. <laughs> I don't like chocolate caramel, guys. So I'm sorry. It's not. It's a Colombian thing. It's from the city of Bogota. Uh, but you can find me there. All of my English stuff at Sounder Art Hard. Um, uh, of course, follow Pulso Sports. We have great interviews. Uh, we should have one with Santiago Rodriguez from the NYCDFC here this week. Um, obviously, our page at Pulso Sports, obviously. And uh, whatever I throw in at the MLS page in Spanish, you could always see it on my tweets. And, you know, thanks for having me, guys. No, Nico, it's a pleasure to have you. You know, giving us the insight on the Seattle Sounders, uh, Chris. Let the people know uh, where they can follow you. Sure. Uh, first of all, Nico, it's a pleasure meeting you, sir. Phenomenal work that you put out, Gio. Thanks again for having me, brother. You know, whenever you need me on, I'll be here. Uh, my content is primarily on YouTube, and that's I put out a video every Monday, usually after every game. And that's uh, the Galaxy Guy podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can find me on social media. My Instagram is very active. That's at the Galaxy Guy podcast. Simple. Find me on Twitter, the Galaxy Guy pod. And always fairly active on social media. If, any, if you have any questions, just reach out to me. I tend to answer all my DMs. And I'm so, partial to gingerbread men. That's that's my snack. 
<laughs> so guys, uh, if you heard that, slide into the DMs before we close things off. Andy says, Rolos are good, both the candy and my peoples. Andy's also a Colombian, so. Uh, yeah, saludos al parcero. That, that, that's my guy. Yeah, definitely. Saludos to him for sure. Uh, and, you know, nice to meet you too, Chris. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. One more small plug. Uh, uh, yep, soccer down it. here. Soccer down here every Thursday. We do it with the guys from Atlanta. Uh, Thursdays, uh, 7.30, uh, our time in the, in the, the West coast loves, love those guys. We get a lot of good contact. We talk Atlanta, talk West coast, soccer, MLS, combo ball, a little bit of everything. So, uh, soccer down there is what it's called. Nice. Well, guys, you, you guys enjoyed. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed listening to these guys. And you guys listening, come join us on Monday nights. We're talking to the Galaxy every Monday night. Um, and you guys can comment and everything. Get the, get the, get these going uh, for this preview for Saturday. If you guys want to follow me, you guys can follow me at Gio Garcia LA. So for Nico and Chris, this is Gio. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.